This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. I hope you've made the great decision to sign up for one of our free newsletters at clark.com slash newsletters. Our entire team works so hard every day to deliver information to you that you can trust for your wallet. Something else you can count on, our weekly Clark Stink segment It's coming up first in this episode. Also today, the dire gloom and doom predictions about AI and jobs going away. What's the key for you to know for your job prospects going forward? But right now, it is time to see where I am stinking it up for you. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. Okay. Let's have some fun here, Chris. Let's have fun. All right. We're going to start with this one. I would never, ever say Clark stinks, but I believe you may have missed something regarding saving on groceries. We buy in bulk at Costco, as you suggest, but seeing as how they are only two in our household, when we buy perishables like meat and seafood, etc., we vacuum seal them in two-person portions and freeze them for later use. I wonder if they bought the vacuum sealer at Costco. At Costco, yes. <laughs> A small chest freezer and vacuum sealer are relatively inexpensive and can store these foods for many months. In fact, we just cooked a beef tenderloin that had been frozen for over three years, and it was perfect. You don't stink, and thanks for all you do, Mark. Wow. Three years. Okay. You're better at saving money than I am, no doubt. And I love beef tenderloin. I hope that just didn't offend your vegetarian self, Krista. No, I'm not at all. I cook that for my family. And I do eat. I'm a pescatarian. I eat fish. Clark, Clark, Clark. You stink worse than an SUV full of high school wrestlers after an all-day tournament. Well, not really. But anyway, you spoke of getting a rider on the homeowner's policy to the caller who asked about insuring his jewelry and diamonds. The answer should have been get a separate policy with the jeweler's mutual for the jewelry. That way, if there is a theft, loss, or damage, it will not affect your homeowner's policy. Absolutely the only way to go. Even though you stunk on this one, I'm forever a Clark head. Jennifer. Jennifer, thank you. You know, you're the second person recently who's said that it was a big mistake for me to talk about doing the jewelry rider on homeowner's insurance for the exact reason you stated about making a claim hurting you with your homeowner's insurance. And it depends on the homeowner's insurance if making a claim on a rider counts as a claim against your overall homeowner's policy and how they would evaluate you for it. But your idea of buying a completely separate policy for jewelry is a better idea. 
I have several times heard you talk about adult children being pivotal for the financial futures of those with cognitive decline, which is well and good when those people exist and can be trusted. I work as a social worker and hospice, and I have to say it was a surprise to me when I first started working in this field how many of our elders do not have these family members or have children they can trust with their well-being. Instead of focusing only on children helping their parents, please let people know that they need to be thinking about their financial futures in the form of powers of attorney right now when they can make decisions. People spend decades saving for retirement, but then fail to protect themselves within a few, with a few hours of work. Jonathan. Jonathan, man, what a great point. Uh, and it's one that I am remiss that I don't talk about situations for people who don't have kids or don't have kids they can trust and thinking about that and planning in advance. And I appreciate you so much making that point. I do want to say there are two kinds of documents we're talking about. One is the durable power of attorney, which is for uh, generally for financial issues. The other is what's usually referred to as a durable power of attorney for health care which is somebody being able to make uh, decisions about healthcare when you are no longer capable of doing so yourself. I heard last week's Clark Stinks where you talked about your hate towards civil forfeiture. I'm a police officer in Florida and I wanted to chime in. Civil forfeiture is not perfect and has many flaws, but if someone is carrying a significant amount of currency, typically it's easy for them to explain it, or at least something proving the money is legit. There's mandatory court case and a judge will rule on if the police officer can keep the money. This is very important because money laundering is a huge issue. If someone gets stopped with $50,000 in currency and they are legit, they probably can easily explain how they got it and be on their way. Side note, if you want to email me, I can send you traffic stop videos where it is clear as day money is being laundered. Brandon. Brandon, thank you. The problem has been that there are people who were never convicted of a crime who have assets seized from them, and that's why I'm on the other side of this from you, is that if someone has been convicted of a crime, clearly the money was money from ill-gotten gains, the money being seized, obviously, not only do I not have a problem with it, I completely support it. But for civil forfeiture, which is a whole different level of burden of proof, it's almost like the burden of proof is reversed, that the individual is guilty till proven innocent, and it's hard for them to get their own funds back. That I have a problem with. As you said, you could send me how clear it is from the traffic stop videos that the person was engaged in some form of criminal activity then they need to be arrested and convicted of that, and then the fund seized. It is all about burden of proof is where my problem with civil forfeiture rests. Clark, you smell like the back of my hands after I slipped and fell on dog poo. Ooh. <laughs> you mentioned that one I of- really stink on this one, huh? You mentioned that one of your listeners in an auto accident got a very low offer for repair from the auto insurer. You went on to say auto insurers are playing dirty pool by paying pennies on the dollar after an auto accident and they end up saving a fortune. But 
what you just left it there with no advice or recommended action. I would recommend going to small claims court for the full amount of the repair estimate if the auto insurer refuses to cut a check to the damaged party for the proper amount. If you don't want to get the car fixed, you don't have to. It's you're not immoral or illegal to pocket the money. It's compensation for damage to your property, and you have the right to be made whole whether you choose to fix the car or not, Rob. Rob, thank you. And that is advice that I have never given, but it is very sound as long as there's no insurance is regulated by the states. And as long as there's no restriction on doing that under state law in someone's state, that is exactly good advice, valid advice, because the whole idea of insurance is you're supposed to be made whole. And being made whole may be being paid for the loss and value you've had on the vehicle from the condition it's in after the accident versus before, which speaks right to your point. And thank you for saying that. Regarding your segment on self-checkout theft, I disagree with your advice that the customer should report it. This is because it's the store's responsibility to monitor their checkout system, either with personnel located in the area or store cameras. Melinda. Melinda, yeah, you know, I've been thinking about what I said about that, because what happens if you mistakenly report somebody is thieving and it's just you had a bad angle and they had not done anything and you end up in the thick of that. Uh, it's just my frustration about these theft rings going on. Let's face it, stores have brought some of this on themselves by reducing the number of cashiers. And it's so weird when you're in a big discount store and there will be 36 registers and they might have one open or two <laughs> open of 36 and everybody's being pushed to self-checkout, and then the retailers are complaining that they become an easy target for theft rings. So the retailers really are the ones who have been potentially penny-wise and pound-foolish. It's also terrible that there are people who think it's just fine to supposedly earn a living by stealing. And why do I call it supposedly earning a living? Because the organized theft rings did not exist before the ability that exists today to sell goods on the internet. It used to be that a, a thief would have to sell at a flea market or sell to a fence for very low amounts of money. Now they post stuff for sale that's new goods on websites and people think, oh man, this is a great store to buy from. The buyers don't even know they're buying stolen goods typically. And it is the ability to have such an easy marketplace to dispose of stolen goods that's made this so much worse a problem. Clark, you referred to the stand that they call flights from at an airport a podium. A podium is actually something you stand on, such as a stage while speaking or getting a medal. What a speaker stands behind is actually a lectern. What they call flights out from would actually be a stand. And that is from Steve. Steve, thank you. I don't know why as part of the way people speak now, the thing you stand behind is so often referred to as a podium. You mentioned the true and incredulous cost of ambulance transportation. Our local EMS has a great program. 
For $60 per year, all permanent residents of a household can receive emergency 911 ambulance service anywhere in the county as many times as needed. The annual subscription fee relieves you of any direct costs of 911 ambulance service not paid by your insurance. We participate each year, and though we haven't had to use it, we like supporting our first responders. Our daughter is a paramedic. Also, for aesthetics, it would make me so happy if you could please swap the tallest plant above Krista's left shoulder with the one in the middle, Karen. So are your right shoulder. You want to put that I'm there in this? this all right, we'll put this one back. <laughs> all right, we'll see oh, how that works. Okay. okay. All right. First of all, thank your daughter for being a paramedic and being of service, saving lives mm-hmm. each and every day on her job. Uh, having a subscription, this is like something that used to be common in the Mountain West, where people only got fire service at their homes if they paid a subscription to the private fire service. It's almost like an insurance policy on having fire coverage or having an ambulance. And there is plenty of precedent for this in the country. Clark spoke about the rising prices of cigarettes, beer, and candy, all of which are not good for one's health. That was a while ago you did that. Instead of discouraging people from consuming these products, he encouraged them to purchase cheaper versions, which I don't think was responsible. I understand he's driven to help people save money, but it should be on the right things, not ones that are damaging to human health, BP. Wow, how interesting. So I would say that uh, cigarettes, there's no case to be made for what I've said about buying all these cheaper brands of cigarettes that are in the marketplace now. That's what they call that an own goal that I talked about that. Beer, beer in small quantities is not something that I see as harmful to people. Candy in small quantities, I don't think is necessarily harmful. I would put cigarettes in a different category, but I understand your sentiment that I shouldn't spend my time encouraging people with lower prices to buy things that could be harmful to them. Hey, Clark, I don't think you stink, but you remind me of the phrase my grandma used to say, penny wise and pound foolish. Didn't I use that phrase earlier? (laughs) You did. You talk about saving money and getting services for free by being willing to accept advertising. For example, the free television you mentioned or free streaming services. And then you talked about the free cell phone service. But why do companies advertise? Because they know advertising influences people to buy products. And if a person using a free service is influenced to buy a product they might not otherwise have purchased, is the free service really free? You might be impervious to the advertiser's influence, but I would guess that the majority of your audience is not. I think it's worth mentioning the power of advertising to help people understand potential risk for getting something for quote-unquote, free, Paxton. Paxton, thank you. Your point is well made. I probably am an exception because I'm obsessed with buying store brands, generics, instead of brand names. So the advertising has not brought me over to the brand name side influenced by ads. Clark, there's a much easier way to spend down the balance on a Visa gift card than making small purchases. First, you need to know the exact balance on the card, You can get that using the information on the back of the card. Write it on the card using a permanent marker. Now go to a store and make a purchase that's greater than the balance. Tell the clerk when you hand them your Visa gift card to charge the exact balance to that card. Then pay the remainder using the method of your choice. Voila, empty Visa card, Wendy. Wendy, thank you. That is absolutely a brilliant way to empty uh, gift cards. And it's something that I should be doing. As you know, almost no one likes the title Clark Stinks. How about But Clark? 
Why not take a vote and change it if the votes are there, John? John, I'm not aware of people not liking. Well, a lot of people say you don't stink, but a lot of them start with that. Yeah, but there are also people who are really, really sore at me. True. And would say something uh, not appropriate for a family content kind of podcast like ours if we didn't have stinks as a term. I should tell you, when we started Clark Sinks 25 or so years ago, we went through a lot of uh, brainstorming trying to come up with what to call it. I thought uh, some of the things we came up with that were not cuss words, but were a little stronger, I felt were not appropriate for the environment of people who might be listening to us. And so Clark Stinks was a compromise and if you want to, we could open up something to see if people have a better name for it, or we just appreciate what you said, John, but keep it as Clark Stinks, because it's been kind of a branding for more than a generation. What I'll do you talk think? to the Clark Brain Trust, our team, and see if they want to come up with a poll or something. So. Okay. Oh, I like that. A little poll to mm-hmm. gauge what people feel. And thank you for all the posts you've made to Clark whatever fill in the blank it's called coming up ahead i want to talk about what actually does ai mean what's the lesson of it for you for your career the safety of your job the future of your employment we're going to talk that through another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I've answered several questions from people about whether AI is going to destroy work as we know it. Are we going to have massive unemployment and all that? And now there are people, stories appearing about people who lost their jobs because of chat GPT taking their jobs. The reality is any wave of technology, any new technology changes the nature of of work. It is one of the reasons why we hear so much about people who suffer because of a new way of doing things. But the reality is there will be a ton of jobs created because of AI as other jobs are destroyed by AI. It's not all one thing. In fact, there was a a story I saw just in the last two weeks about ads looking for people who are being offered an average salary in the AI field, starting salary 
of $146,244 a year. This was from bizjournals.com, the story about that. I mean, so the reality is the nature of work changes so much over a 20-year cycle, it's unreal. If you think of yourself as, this is what I do, and this is what I'm going to do, and this is the end of the story, then you set yourself up potentially for hardship down the road. Because it is true that the nature of work never stops changing. And I say the same thing at every high school or college commencement address I've ever done. I talk about how people will ask you when you graduate from high school or when you graduate from college, so what are you going to do? What work do you want to do? And it's a lot of pressure to put on a teenager or somebody early in their 20s unless there's something they know they're driven to do. Because the reality is usually they don't know. And what they say they want to do, they're just giving an answer so that person will just go away and leave them alone and not put that pressure on them. And they're actually right if they don't know, because the truth is it keeps changing and changing and changing. I've mentioned before, my two daughters had no idea when they finished college what they wanted to do with with their lives. Our son, on the other hand, knows before even finishing high school that what he wants to be is an airline pilot. And he's been training for four years for that already. And the thing is, he also knows that he's 17 years old. He knows that way before he'd hit retirement age, that job is not going to exist anymore. That technology will destroy all the training, all the effort, and all the experience he will develop Because how we get around over the next 50 years will change. Just think about how different life is from where it was 50 years ago. If you're younger, you got to look at history. But things were so different. The nature of work never stops changing. So today, all the conversation is about AI. But the point is, every new technology creates new opportunities new jobs. At the same time, it destroys others. It's an old, old concept that predates modern technology called creative destruction. That ultimately what makes societies wealthier and what creates new advances that make us as individuals wealthier and makes life easier for us is this process of continuous creative destruction. That's why You don't look at it as, why did I waste my time learning to be a blah, blah, blah? Why did I waste those years being a blah, blah, blah? Don't ever feel that. It worked for you for that time. It created income for you at that time. It created opportunity for you at that time in your life. And then the opportunities change. And that's why you can't be set in your ways. And you always have to be prepared for where things are going, not necessarily where they are today. It is not a threat. It's an opportunity. All right. We'll go to questions. Neil in Massachusetts says, I'm a dedicated listener to your show for the last 25 years since I came to this country as a graduate student. Today, I'm debt-free and financially independent, 
but no intention to retire early thanks to your clear and untainted advice. Recently, I purchased a three-year-old car from a dealer in cash. The dealer insisted on finalizing the deal on May 31st, but I refused since my money was in transit from my online bank account to my checking account. The deal went through on the next day, June 1st, but the dealer pleaded with me to predate the check so that on paper it would appear the transaction took place on May 31st. My engineering mindset tells me that this is just accounting shenanigans. However, their insistence also makes me think there may be a concrete financial incentive for the dealer. What do you think? So the deal for the dealer is there was probably a manufacturer to dealer incentive that they were trying to get units sold. And this often happens in car dealerships where they'll try to get a sale on the books by a certain date at the end of a quarter or the end of a month or something like that. I mean, interesting in your case, it was May 31, not the end of a quarter. So obviously there was some form of monthly incentive. I don't think there's any harm at all in you having dated a check one day earlier for the dealer for them to get the benefit of that because they weren't going to be able to take the money any earlier. It's post-dated checks that are the ones you shouldn't do. So if you were writing a check on June 1 dated June 18th or something like that, that would be a bad idea. But dating a check May 31 instead of June 1, I don't see any harm in that. Raina in Tennessee says, I've heard you talk about your son's desire to become a pilot and that he began flying at a very young age. I'd like to know how to do this. With needing hundreds of flight hours that cost hundreds per hour, how does a youngster or anyone get into this profession without debt? It's something that I'd like for my children to possibly explore, but I know that I cannot privately fund required flight hours. I really appreciate any information you can provide. This is a conundrum for every single family and every individual who wants to become a pilot because of a tragic crash over Buffalo, New York in 2009, there were new rules instituted, new laws that required far, far, far more hours of training for someone to be a commercial pilot than prior. And so now we're looking at a cost for flight training that is many hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's a bridge too far for most people. The answer in most cases, there are two actually. One is the military. A lot of people who don't want to make a career of the military as a full-time thing will go into a Air Guard unit, a National Guard unit, and earn their flying, and they're getting paid instead of having to pay, and they're serving the country. And if you go in a National Guard unit, you're able to both learn to fly, serve the country, and ultimately have the hours and experience to fly for an airline. So it reverses the process from being a massive cost to one where you serve America and you get paid to do so simultaneously. That's option one. The second option is airlines are so short of pilots that airlines are setting up their own flight programs where if your child's accepted to one, you are able to get your flight training for little or nothing. It is not a free lunch because then you're committed to work for the airline that is sponsoring the program. And if you 
a lot of people don't succeed in flight school. And then you're potentially on the hook for the costs incurred to that point. So that means the alternative is really if you want to know there's not going to be any potential burden, it is the military and the military needs my son, your kids, and I've talked repeatedly to my son about considering the possibility of serving the country as a military pilot. Jerry in Connecticut says, if I pay off my five-year car loan in one year, will I still have a positive effect on my credit score? So the fact that you took out the loan and you paid on it successfully will be a benefit to you. If you have enough other lines of credit, not having that loan out there will not be of harm to you. I haven't had any loans other than I use credit cards as a payment system and I don't run balances. I haven't had any other forms of credit at all. And my credit score is rock solid. So you don't have to have a mortgage or a vehicle loan or a home equity line of credit or anything like that to maintain good credit standing. If you're in a position to not carry that loan, don't carry that auto loan. On a recent podcast, Clark asked if next year was leap year. How do I remember it? Leap year is always, always, always every year we have a presidential election. It's also every year we have the Summer Olympics. That is great advice. And just think about... Oh, that was Danielle in Virginia. Oh, thank you, Danielle. (laughs) Just think about next year, we have to work one extra day without getting paid in salary jobs. So employers get a free gift every four years. And it's the one time it's better to be paid by the hour than it is to be paid a salary. I have a good friend who's a leap year baby. I always felt really bad for him. <laughs> Why? Think how young he is. No, I guess so. But what a Yeah, pain. I mean, what is he at this point? 13 years <laughs> old? 12 years old? That's pretty yeah, great. It is. Okay. Yeah. So you got to always look on the positive Sure, or you side. could take two birthdays when it's not a leap year. You could do the two days around your birthday. That's true. Yeah. All right, so you know the business to be in in a presidential election year to own a TV station or a radio station because of all the money you make from those horrific ads that tell all those lies that'll be running throughout so much of next year. I remember reading something about how lucrative every fourth year is for TV stations and radio stations. So they love leap years because mm-hmm. it's the year their profits leap higher and higher. Well, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. You know what we're about? You learning ways to save more and spend less and avoid getting ripped off. And we are there to serve you so many ways around the clock with advice for your wallet at Clark.com, one-on-one advice available for you for free, 30 hours each week from our Team Clark Consumer Action Center, open Monday through Friday, 10 in the morning Eastern till 4 in the afternoon Eastern. The number for you to get, one-on-one advice for a question, a problem, guidance, whatever, 636-49-CLARK. And I hope you have an absolutely great day and a wonderful weekend.